Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious day here in the best little city in America. We'll spend the next couple hours here on the Patrick Lally Show, engaged in, you know, maybe some energetic and entertaining conversation on local, state, national news and politics. Of course, we will uh, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what's going on in the world, also books and music and, uh, you know, some more local politics. So that'll be fun. Our friend Uber producer Dan Peters is out today, so he will not be here to keep us updated on the local news and weather. Uh, But we will be filling in with some able substitutes who will have our news for us today, and we appreciate that. Dan, you may have heard Dan. I think he was on the morning show this morning with Beth at about uh, oh dark 30. I don't know. It was early with uh, Beth or Chad or one of the two. I don't know. He was on in the morning well before I get up, so you probably heard Dan earlier in the day. Thanks for spending some time with me today on your radio, whether you're driving around town or got a transistor or a or a clock radio, or what have you, hooked up, listening to a little uh, KSOO, whether you're streamed live on KSO.com or on the KSOO mobile app. Remember, that's the new branded mobile app you get by just going to your app store and searching KSOO, and it'll pop up on there. And what you get with that is one-touch streaming. You just, bam, bam, there it is. Boom, you're listening to KSOO. Many of the fine programs you hear on Information 1000. Also, you can always follow along on Facebook Live or on our Twitter account, at P. Lally Show. Oh, my gosh. This is the sun ever going to shine. I've had it. I've got it up to here, people. I, it needs to, it's taken me out of my game. It's putting me off my feed. I can't do any of the things that I like to do because I just don't have the, the gumption to get out there. I did go out and run this weekend which I hadn't done for a while outside, which was nice, uh, even though it was kind of crappy out there Saturday morning. It was snow on the ground and slushy and blah. But I did it, and I was glad I did it. But uh, I would have much rather had dry streets and a little sunshine. You know, we get a little sunshine, and all this snow will be gone in a matter of minutes. But uh, hopefully that will be coming up here real soon, I know. Later in the week, tomorrow, Wednesday, it's supposed to get a little nicer, so that's good. Get back on the bike, get back outside, get out to running and running and running. Get back in some semblance of shape. Get rid of these uh, few extra winter pounds that are hanging around with me. Or maybe it's just extra, uh, you know, middle-aged pounds. I'm middle-aged man. You remember that from Saturday Night Live? I'm middle-aged man. Are you looking at my gut? I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Little Michael Myers, Mike Myers situation there. I love Middle Age Man. I, I love it more even today. Uh, speaking of today, early voting started in the city of Sioux Falls today. The polls are open in your election for mayor, a couple city council spots. Uh, you got your uh, school board election if you're in on that, if you're in the Sioux Falls School District. You know, you can be in the city of Sioux Falls and not be in the Sioux Falls School District. It always comes as kind of a shock to some people that they move to Sioux Falls or they move in Sioux Falls and they figure out that not only are they in Lincoln County, but they're in the Harrisburg School District or something like that, Brandon, Lenox. Whoops, forgot to look at that. 
And in most cases, it's fine. You maybe got to take a nice drive down to Canton, but it's not as bad as it used to be if you're living in Lincoln County. So those elections are uh, open voting or early voting started today at your, uh, you go downtown in Sioux Falls, you go down to the courthouse there and uh, you can vote early uh, and for everybody. Now, some of you I know like to wait till you have all the facts. You have all the stuff in front of you. You can compare the candidates and that sort of thing. Some of you already know and you want to get it over with. And, you know, it's a good way to avoid the rush, the lines, that sort of thing, and just get it done. Used to be you couldn't do that. You had to have a legitimate reason for early voting, like I'm going to be out of the country, something of this nature. I'm going to be in surgery. Now you just walk up and say, hey, I want to vote. And they say, okay. And then, bam, bam, see you later. And you're done. You don't have to go to your polling place. You don't have to worry about the hours. You just do it. And more and more people are voting that way. Now, there's some danger there. You know, we got some campaign left to go here. The election isn't till April 10th. That's April 10th. What is that? Two weeks? Two weeks from tomorrow. You got a few weeks here if you haven't made up your mind. And I tell you, it's a good field of candidates for mayor. I don't know that I have made my personal decision. And, you know, I get to talk to everybody. And uh, we'll be talking to one of those candidates today, Kenny Anderson Jr., later in the show. But I get to talk to everybody. You know, I know everybody that's in the race. So I have advantage uh, over a lot of folks who maybe don't start paying attention to city elections until, you know, right up till the bitter end. And that's fine. That's okay. You don't have to be politicking every day of your life, right? You just want to pick the person who's going to run the city. You don't want to have to deal with all this machination. Uh, you know, I it's interesting. It's been a, it's been an interesting election. There was a story in uh, Sunday's Argus Leader that reinforced a lot of what I've been saying here on the program in terms of crime. Crime's become such a big issue, and I and I know why. Uh, I understand it, um, but at the same time, you kind of gotta temper uh, your impressions with actual data. And what the data shows is that. Violent crime in this community is pretty steady. Uh, there was a uh, a story not so long ago that was in USA Today that said Sioux Falls with the second highest rate of increase of violent crime over a five-year period. And just looking at those facts, you know, I'm not disputing those facts. That was true. But in the whole, in the main, in the big picture, as we like to say, crime, not so bad in this city. Not so bad. So what the, what are the issues? You know, to me... A lot of it is planning. Uh, what kind of city do you want to be over the long term? I think transportation, as you know, if you listen to this program at all, you know that I am an advocate for smarter transportation planning. That's mass transit. That's uh, alternative transportation. Uh, not everybody's going to avail themselves of every option, but it should be an option for everybody to avail themselves of. And that's what uh, I'd like to see more conversation about. Of course, transparency is big for me. I think we've been living in a very non-transparent period here in the best little city in America. As I've said many times, many, many, many times. And all the candidates say they're for transparency and they want to do a better job. But when the rubber hits the road, a lot of people have trouble with that. And uh, so that's an issue that I will be using as a barometer for me to make a decision in this mayoral election. I don't know if I'm going to tell people who I vote for. I probably won't. I could. I could. It's 
It's my show, <laughs> after all. But, I, you know, I don't think that's important. You don't really care who I'm voting for. I've tried to do a good job on this program of bringing in all the candidates. I've had everybody in. Uh, everybody will have been in really twice uh, in this cycle. And I hope to get the candidates, the mayoral candidates back in. I've got a couple of uh, council candidates I want to get back on the show. I think I've knocked them all down. Janet Brecky was in last week, and that was good. She's running in the at-large race against John Paulson. Mr. Paulson was in when he first announced, but I need to get John back on the program. I'd like to get Janet back in here because uh, she. we only got to talk about crime and some of the things that she sees with the council. Uh, there were a lot of other issues there, and it's been a long time since I had John on. There's a whole ton of people in the Central District. I think I've had everybody in. There's, You know what? There is one person on there who I didn't haven't had in. I've got to get that in. And I don't know the person, so... I got to I got to nail that down. Name escapes me right now. I apologize for that. So we'll have a lot of candidates on here in the next couple of weeks. So if you want to hold off on your vote, here's the lesson, people. Here's the here's the point. If you want to hold off on your vote, I understand. You know, if you want to walk in on election day, that's okay too. More and more people are using early voting and I I like to do it. I I kind of wait till you know, towards the end. I would feel like with two weeks left, I'm, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Things can come out, you know, statements can be made, positions taken that may change your mind. So if you're not comfortable yet, don't, don't feel like you got to rush right down and do it. We will have a lot of, lot more conversation here on the program about the mayoral election. It's been, as I said, good, good field of candidates. I, it's it's I I could really vote for, you know, pretty much everybody on the list. To be quite honest, uh, there are a couple folks that I have eliminated from my list um, for reasons that are just me personally that I think disqualify them from being mayor. It's a big job, big big job. It can be an overwhelming job. Uh, I probably anybody who's in the running right now doesn't really know how much work it's going to be. And I think it's been always a surprise to the three people. We've only had three people that have been mayor of Sioux Falls under the charter system that we have in place today with the strong mayor. Gary Hansen was the first served two terms. Uh, uh, Mr. Munson was the Dave Munson was the second served two terms. And now we are in the entering our 17th year. Is that right? Eight, eight, sixteen. Did carry the one. Yeah, 17, 17th year of the strong mayor form of government. And it's it's still a uh, uh, a system in flux. Um, but I think on the whole, I've I've liked the way it's worked. I think that the council could be more assertive. They need probably some more resources. I'd like to see the council have their own lawyer to help them navigate some of the minefields that are out there in city government. But, you know, that's for a different day. So get out and vote. You can do it today or wait. Just go down to the courthouse, tell them you want to vote. That's the county courthouse, Minnehaha County Courthouse, 6th and, what is it, 6th and Minnesota, right down there between 6th and Maine and 6th and Dakota, or I mean, sorry, Minnesota. Uh, you'll see it. Go on the door there, look for the, uh, you got to go to the auditor, I can't remember. Clerk of court, not clerk of courts. What am I thinking? It's the, it's the auditor. See, yeah, the auditor. It's right here. It's right there in the hall across 
across the hall from where you get your license plates. Pretty sure that's the right spot. We've got a great show for you today. Our guests include, as I said, mayoral candidate Kenny Anderson Jr. will be in in the second hour. The common man is our weird friend of the day. Uh, Jane Taylor of the Sioux, Sioux Land Libraries will join us to tell us all about One Book Sioux Land. And I will have a PL statement just after the break. Today's topic good music, people. Good music. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 322 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Oh yeah, a little closer to free today here in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, a couple things, just uh, off the top, briefly, very briefly, I watched the big Stormy Daniels interview last night on 60 Minutes. Uh, you know, I didn't get a lot new out of it. Um, for a lot of folks out there, it may be the first time they have uh, paid any attention to the details, you know, because TV, right? Um, and they want to see the spectacle, and it was a bit of a spectacle, but you know, I just, just I just, I don't know. Uh, what it does is put kind of a personality to the whole story, and she was believable. I don't think there's anybody uh, out there who believes this actually didn't happen at this point. You know, does it matter? Not really. Uh, but there's going to be more where this came from. Uh, the thing that always surprises me every time is how my uh, Christian conservative friends can continue to support President Trump after all these revelations. I mean, I have no idea. Um, I don't care who the man slept with, uh, but that's generally not true of my evangelist friends out there who have been willing to pass judgment on anybody who comes along who's not like them, who doesn't espouse what they espouse. Uh, you know, I... For there were folks, and you know nobody really locally here, but nationally, your 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 grand Christian conservative voices in the in the uh, in the general media uh, who were highly skeptical of whether or not uh, Barack Obama was a Christian, <laughs> you know, down to the fact that they probably still believe he is a uh, a Muslim, and it turns out he's a pretty devout Christian guy who just went about his his job and you can they can disagree with his policies all they want that's fine i didn't i don't agree with everybody's policies it's not how it works but to demonize uh obama as a uh, closet muslim and embrace donald trump who's he was an avowed avowed womanizer i that's just bizarre to me i i don't know how you get there in your own mind but that's fine that's what you got to do um but, you know, it's not going to matter. It's just, it's bread and circuses. Um, different Strokes. I want to tell you about this Different Strokes concert, though. That's what I want to really talk about. And, uh, you know, it's not like a mov- music review here. But so on Saturday night, uh, I, and we talked about this show last week with Scott Hudson on Friday. It was a uh, Different Folk Records, which is a local label, kind of not really a showcase because not all their acts were there and there was, but it was, it was just put together. It's all just local musicians. And I don't know that I have attended a concert with this variety as they had on Saturday night at the Orpheum, by the way, the Orpheum, 
just every time I go to a, a show there, I just I love it there. Small theater with like 600 seats in the Orpheum. Um, there's, you know, the big lobby. They've got, you know, refreshments and, 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 and uh, you know, popcorn and such uh, over in the, in the middle part, the link. Um, and it's a fantastic place to watch a show. I mean, it's casual. It's just fun. Uh, but the artists that there were uh, there on Saturday night, uh, so you had uh, Burlap Wolf King, Union Grove Pickers, members of the JAS Quintet, and all those folks are involved with different uh, folk records in one way or another. And so you got, you know, Americana, a little more rock and rollish, you know, and and jazz, straight up jazz. But then you add to that uh, Soul Crate music, which is like Sioux Falls' uh, greatest hip-hop act ever, very successful organization there with Wes Eisenhower, former guest on this show, uh, and his brother and, uh, and uh, Corey Gerlach. So Dan and Wes Eisenhower. And they've been going for 16 years now, which is impressive. But so you put all these, you know, it was one right after another. None of the sets were very long. There were little jazz interludes and uh, uh, Andrew Reinertz, who's been on this program, and Joel Stockwell has been on this program from JAS. They were uh, playing with the different bands, and there was one point where Soul Crate, the hip-hop boys, they had Reinerts up there on bass, and then a four-piece horn section, including Stockwell, and it was, it was impressive. It's just not something you see every day, and these are all local musicians, right? And uh, uh, it was funny because Wes Eisenhower said at one point, uh, uh, this, is, this is our first sit-down show, <laughs> which is pretty funny, um, uh, in that... Uh, you know, they've been touring the country and, you know, hip hop shows generally you don't sit in your seats. And so all their all their fans came up to the front during their set. And it was really good. It was really good. And uh, I had I had a blast, actually. And, you know, Union Grove Pickers were playing electric for the first time. Uh, that was impressive. They're Americana straight up. Uh, very good. Thomas Hentges, who's the front man for Burlap, he his he just. He killed it. It was really good. And I'd not seen that full band before. Uh, that was a great experience. Um, uh, I can't remember the guitar player's name in that band, but he was really good. And then Andrew and Joel were just in and out all night. It was a melding of genres uh, with a common thread of local pride and really one of the a highly entertaining evening at the Orpheum. So thanks to Andy Howes of Different Folk Records for pulling that all together and, and celebrating local music, man. It's where it's at. It's where it's at. I encourage everybody to go out and catch those acts whenever they can. There's a lot of really good music going on right now, so I appreciate it. That's the bottom line of today's P&L statement. You can agree or disagree with me by dropping me an email, patrick at kso.com. Love to hear from you. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk with the common man on Weird Friends and then Jane Taylor, a librarian with Siouxland Libraries, will be with us, so stay tuned. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 3.35 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000, KSOO. And we bring in uh, our weird friend on Mondays, most Mondays now. The Common Man is with us today on the phone. Mr. Common, thanks for uh, taking a couple minutes out of your very, very busy schedule. <clears throat> oh, indubitably, yes. That's, you know, it's, I was listening to earlier, Patrick, and I completely agree. I mean, when would the siege end? I mean, 
How can it be 34 degrees 200 days in a row? <laughs> no, I can't take it. It's just in that miserable in-betweener. Give me uh, two more degrees, everything melts. Yes, oh, it would be perfect. And just a little tease. sun, just a little sun. That's all I'm asking. Something, anything. So, just a taste. Hey, uh, speaking of weather and crappy weather, I couldn't believe all those people uh, Saturday. So it's uh, your typical uh, spring morning in Sioux Falls, and so it's snowing. And this was the the big march across the country, and like mm-hmm. I don't know, ooh, a lot of people in Sioux Falls, downtown Sioux Falls, for that march. But uh, I was I was shocked for that. I mean, what they have? They had like three quarters of a million people or something <clears throat> in Washington. Yeah. Had, I mean, we had like maybe like a thousand, but still, it was a lot considering how cold it was out there. And well, the, yeah, I and mean, considering our general uh, leanings you know, <laughs> around uh, in this neck of the woods, but to get eight hundred fifty thousand people out, I mean, it's really so. You know, in, in, in the more I watched it, Patrick, you know, the more I thought, God, it, you know, is this it's is this that moment where you you start to realize that the tide has turned in a historical sense, what side of history are you going to be on? You know, when you think about civil rights and, and women's rights and uh, LGBTQ, so glad I spat that out without screwing that up. Yep. Getting all those movements that years and years ago, at some one point or another, everybody, everybody said, ah, impossible. Can't yeah. be done. Can't be done. But then through the hands of the time and youth and, and the involvement and understanding and whatever it is, those those tectonic plates move, and, it, and things happen. So when you see this many young people, all the old people, older people that you see who are responding, going, "Ah, those crazy kids! You know, they should be doing this or that." And you know, you're kind of missing the tsunami because yeah. <laughs> we our our position here is temporary. <laughs> oh yeah! In twenty years, those guys will be the ones make, shoot making the calls. And doing and making the policies, so we may think this is an obelisk that can't be overcome. It's just institutional. Uh, I think that this this is kind of one of those moments that either that tells you it's going to be different. Oh yeah, maybe I, not today, maybe not a year from now, maybe not five years from now, but but change is going to come. And it always does. We we're constantly changing. What's one movement or another? You know, it was. Uh, you know, 10 years ago, it was a tea party and those weren't kids, but they were a lot of them were young people. You know, they were, they were young conservatives who wanted to see a change. These, these are, are a different generation of people. And I will remind everybody, there's a lot of them. Uh, that's the other thing that is, is at play here are just straight up demographics. And the baby boomers were a big, a big wad of people coming through. Well, the, the what we call the millennials or Gen Z or whatever you want to call them, it's just a big bubble of people. So that always makes a difference. Well, certainly, you know, and that, in any time, and to see it become cohesive to them, you know, it, it, it almost gives you that sense of there's the meteor streaking across the sky, you know, and it's in the, in, in the dinosaurs are walking around going, well, that's a pretty nice meteor. Well, <laughs> here it comes. Here comes that that event that was that'll change things, and and you think that, and I think our generation and older generations even will go go. These are these are the kids that that spend twenty hours staring at their phone. You know, we we, we underestimate like thousands of generations before. 
Oh, these kids, these kids are a bunch of knuckle draggers. They don't know. It's, yeah, right. <laughs> well, they, they do spend uh, half their time on the phone, but it depends on who they're talking to and what they're talking about. So maybe during that, uh, all that time uh, on their phone, they realized, hey, there's a whole bunch of people out there who think just like me and who well, want change. Yeah, I, I remember going to a funeral recently, and there was all the kids in the family. They were sitting on the couch. And they were on their phones, and they're you know sitting around a kind of a sectional couch. And so I walk over to make a little conversation. Mm-hmm. I say, hey, uh, well, who are you uh, chatting with? And the kid points three feet away. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I go, all right, well, well, you know, you could look at them, talk, <laughs> you know, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, but then, they, then they were, they'd be in danger of you hearing them. Yeah, they're probably because they're going. This is super lame. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> look what look what John's wearing. <laughs> yeah, uh, Uncle yeah, John. God, Uncle John's going to talk to me again. Oh God! <laughs> here he comes. Here he comes. Oh, look at your phone. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. And I never thought about that before. Yeah, now I feel like, now I feel bad. Thanks, Pat. Well, they're going to change the world. And you won't even see it. That's <laughs> it yeah, was, it was, and they're welcome to it. Man. Yeah, that's, that'll that's be right. that'll be their spin, and, and God love them. That's 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 awesome. Do you think? Do you think uh, by the way, uh, do the kids still care about baseball the way you and I do? I think they do, but it's it's so granular now. I think that they it's 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 not in the hey how are the twins doing? It's well, I've got this guy in fantasy, and his walks, hits, and innings pitched, per, you know, all the new advanced metrics and things like that. They're, they're, you're so into the, the the stat universe that it is, the sabermetrics, all those things that are involved with fantasy and rotisserie, what we used to call rotisserie mm-hmm. baseball. It's not anything like this. You know, like, we, hey, that, I like that guy. He's cool. He plays for my team. You know, we we see the name in the front. They see the name in the back a little more. That's interesting. That, that's how it works, I think. But you know, the opening days on Thursday, Patrick. Yeah, oh. it's you know, it always seems like oh, pitchers and catchers report. It's almost here. Well, it's not. Okay, <laughs> you still have a long way to go. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the big thing for the Twins, you know, is I think the overarching story is going to be their thing for this season is what are they going to do with Dozier? Mm-hmm. Didn't give him a contract this past season. He's up at the end of the year. If they come out and don't and stumble, he's going to be gone by the All Star break. Oh, absolutely. And you know, sometimes when the guys are, you know, when they're in this situation, they play even better because they're yeah. motivated. Yeah, but it's a. I think that would be that would be a. You know, you talk about the Packers releasing Jordy Nelson, the Twins getting rid of Brian Dozier. I know my my wife might go to Target Field and burn the place down. <laughs> yeah, the, he's been a uh, a favorite for a while because he's you know he's a scrappy player, good player, scrappy. Oh, and he got that Southern accent. And he's just as sweet as pie. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Of course, this is KSOO home, your home for the Minnesota Twins. So. We actually won't have a show probably Friday because that's home opener, or not the home opener, the opener is in Baltimore. Game starts at 2. So eh, probably no show here on on the Patrick Lally show. So I'm going to, but that's good for me. Then I can watch the game. Well, you'll be be completely liquored up. (laughs) There is a bit of a tradition there. (laughs) Let's not sidestep the fact that that's, uh, could happen situation. Um, <laughs> a uh, so we're, I'll be looking forward to that. Are you going to be watching baseball on Thursday, my friend? Oh, absolutely. That's that's a must do. Got to go. Got to see it kicked off. Yeah, uh, in the usual places. 
Oh, sure. Uh, um, yes. Places of ill repute, dens of iniquity, you yes. know, that sort of thing. The places where I normally see you. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Common Man, did you bring a joke for us today? Yeah, I did. There's a, there's a, there's a bank robbery that occurs in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Always got to make it us, you know. Mm-hmm. And the bank robber walks in, he's got a mask on. Says, give me all your money. Gets gets all the money from the teller. As he runs out, the guard grabs him, pulls the mask off, and they're face-to-face. He can see the guy. So the robber knows, well, he's seen me. Pulls out his gun, shoots the guy. Turns around, pulls his mask back down, and goes, did any of those two people see my face? So one dumb guy shoots up his hand. Boom! Bank robber shoots him, too. He goes, okay, okay, anybody else see my face? And all of a sudden, this one guy kind of puts his hand up, and he goes, you saw my face? The guy says, no, but I think my mother-in-law caught a glimpse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Not only is it an Irish joke, it's a mother-in-law joke. Can't get any better than that, right? That is double value. Common Man, thank you very much for being here today, and we'll hopefully talk to you on the other side of a Twins win. Sounds good, Patrick. Coming up after the break, we're going to chat with... Jody, I'm sorry, Jane Taylor. She's a librarian with Siouxland Public Libraries, and we're going to talk about one book, Siouxland, and starts this weekend. So you're going to want to stay tuned. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 349 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we bring in on the phone from uh, Somewhere out there in the library system, Jane Taylor. She is a librarian with the Siouxland Libraries. Jane, thanks for taking some time for us today. Oh, thanks for having me. So, Jane, uh, you're a librarian. Uh, Where are you and what exactly do you do? Librarian is kind of a broad term. It is a broad term, and I actually manage the Ronnie Branch Library. So I people that live on the southeast part of town who I see, um, and I've been out here since 1995 when we opened. Holy buckets, and Ronning Branch is the one out by uh, Laurel Oaks Pool and all that? Yes, it is. Yeah, okay. That's right by, That's right in my neighborhood. I'll just stop by and say hi. Yes, yeah, stop by and say hi. That would be awesome. <laughs> we go there all the time. It's a great place. Um, but the reason we're having you on today is because this next month, April, uh, is the inaugural One Book Siouxland what is One Book Siouxland? Uh, One Book is actually a nationwide program where a community reads a specific book, and then they have um, programs surrounding that book and book discussions all around town. And so what we wanted to do for Siouxland Libraries, we wanted to do that for Sioux Falls and the surrounding communities, all the communities that we have that are part of Siouxland Libraries. And so a year and a half ago, we started this process, and now we're to the culmination of, of doing the program. Yeah, so we've had One Book South Dakota for some time now and a lot of different books. What is the book for One Book Siouxland? Our book is A Man Called Uva, which is by Frederick Bachman. He's a Swedish author. It is a translation from the Swedish. It's been around for a couple of years, and we had a select committee who chose this book from our community. And, you know, the Swedes, they, they don't get their due around here. The Norwegians kind of push everybody away, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the Irish among us, we stand up. But the Swedes, my, my poor old Swedish grandmother, she's never got her due as being uh, having that great immigrant story. Uh, and and that, that was one of the kind of one of the reasons we chose this book or the community chose this book is because we do have a lot of Norwegians. It's a Scandinavian mm-hmm. community. 
lots of Scandinavians, and this is just a different take since we have so much Norwegian. It would be fun to kind of focus on the Swedish immigrants that came through our community, um, and uh, it would be more of a, well, kind of learning a slightly different um, culture than the Norwegians. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tell us about the book. Uh, is, uh, is it an immigrant's tale, or, or what kind of story are we talking about here? Actually, it's a contemporary um, story set in Sweden, Sweden about a gentleman who has been going through some trials and tribulations. He's lost his job. He's lost his wife. Uh, he kind of is a curmudgeon. Uh, you have to give it a little... Um, the first part of the book kind of goes into that. Mm-hmm. And so part of the book is his transformation, how he connects with his community, what things he... what the, the different people... the immigrant part of it, I guess, there's an immigrant part of it, immigrants that have come to Sweden and how he connects with them and hmm. becomes a family with them. Yeah. So that's the immigrant part, which we, of course, can talk about here also. So you've got a lot of uh, activities going on uh, associated with that, and we'll be, we'll be coming back to talk about some of these things as they get closer in April. Uh, but uh, there's uh, uh, different panels and discussions and uh, uh, exploring different parts of the book, including grief and uh, generational diversity and uh, you know, uh, an immigrant experience in, in the United States as well. Uh, but if people want to uh, hook up with all these things, where can they get all the information? All the information is on our website. It is also in our monthly Across Siouxland Libraries brochure. So if they want to stop by at one of the libraries and pick one of those up, you can sign up for the book discussions. We have five book discussions. So you can get a copy of the book through the library. We do have over 175 copies of the book floating around town, so we're really excited about that. And just ask at your, your local library, and they can get a hold on one of those copies. And then, of course, we have the book discussions. We're going to have a movie showing at the Icon Lounge through Cinema Falls. They've been partnered with us. We're going to show the Swedish version. That is actually sold out. So I probably shouldn't have even mentioned that, but we're kind of excited. But we also have the actual movie on DVD. Oh, great. So the library does own several copies of that. So if you can't get to the icon showing, you can always stop in the library and get a copy to watch for your, in your own home. Um, the Immigration Story Program is coming up on April 7th, and I'm really kind of excited about that. We have five immigrants, teen immigrants, that go to the Lincoln High School, mm-hmm. and they're going to do a panel discussion That's on great. their own immigration stories. That's great. So um, the book is called excited. The Book is called a A Man Called Ove, and it is uh, the Siouxland One Book Siouxland inaugural book. And if you have any uh, questions or anything, just drop by a library, one of the many outlets across the Greater Sioux Empire, uh, and and chat with anybody there. They'll take care of you. Jane Taylor. Thank you very much for filling us in on One Book Siouxland, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you so much. Coming up after the news and weather, we will chat with, uh, we're going to have Sam Gabrielli in from KSFY Severe Weather Center, followed by Kenny Anderson Jr., who's a candidate for mayor of your fine city. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. This is a public service announcement with Hey everybody, this Saturday, March 31st, Easter Egg Scavenger Hunt down at Cookie Jar Eatery in downtown Sioux Falls, 1030 to 330. Families can explore the shops in downtown Sioux Falls while collecting candy-filled Easter eggs. It's free. 
pre-registration is required, go to eventbrite.com. Coming up after the news, it's Sam Gabrielli of the KSFY Severe Weather Center. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSLO. You know, um, just like when I ran for city council, it's been an amazing experience. Uh, people are very positive and, uh, you know, are very open with uh, their concerns and thoughts on uh, how our city's moving forward. And I've, I've, I've enjoyed the process. It's, once again, it's something that, uh, you know, we have six people who have really put themselves out there. And then the uh, other candidates for council, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to just put yourself out to the public and say you want to serve and, and then ask them for their support. So, um, you know, I, I thank our city for being uh, involved and wanting to, you know, see how our city is going to move forward here in the future. One of the big things that's come up in uh, recent days, uh, you know, fairly recently, but it's been an issue for quite a while, is uh, crime. Crime's become uh, one of the central uh, uh, campaign issues in the mayor's race. Um, and my question for you is, um, given what we do know about the statistics and what we uh, and versus the perception of crime, do we have a crime problem in Sioux Falls? Well, uh, what I'll say is that there has been a growth of some crimes here in our city. And, you know, of some of the severe crimes, what really concerns me is the age. We're talking 18 to 23. And uh, that that does really concern me. Also with the uh, these uh, more advanced crimes, we're seeing a drug relationship and, uh, you know, especially with the, the meth use. And I think that uh, it needs to be addressed. And I think that the best way to address it is, you know, number one, community involvement, uh, utilizing our resource officers in our schools, especially in our, the younger ages, so that we can try to reduce or eliminate the demand. The, the way that we've done the war on drugs for the last... Oh, what, 40 years? Uh, it's not working. And we have to look at this as a, a health issue, that the people that are using these are having a health issue, and that treatment is probably going to be more effective than incarceration. You know, when we come to the dealers and that, then yes, if we, you know, if we have uh, interaction with those dealers and the people that are pushing that and those items, then yes, incarceration is necessary. But otherwise, you know, I hear from the county talking about they don't have the funds, you know, to incarcerate all these people, yet we're getting ready to build a $50 million additional jail. And then when you look at the state of South Dakota, they're releasing felons early to reduce the cost on population and cost. So... They're putting a burden on the county without adding any additional funds. So we need to see and find ways to reduce some of the stays. You know, I've had conversations with uh, county commissioners who have told me, you know, uh, one of the things that they see is, uh, 
It's, it's called failure to vacate, which normally is associated with a bar where you're told to leave and you don't. And uh, that's, an, that's incarceration. They have to at least be jailed overnight. Well, in something like that, once, once it's past 2, 2 a.m., the bars are closed. So it, they're no longer a problem for that bar. They're not a threat to society. Write them a ticket. Send them home. You know, with DUIs on Friday and Saturday night, you know, there's, there's things that I think we could come up with uh, that would be more effective and uh, allow the county to uh, reduce some of the costs that they're seeing. The, as you know, as in, you allude to there, uh, the city funds the police. The county funds the jail. Um, and to some extent, some of the social services that go with uh, addiction. The state is the funder for and the backer and driver behind a lot of the uh, other programs that go with addiction or social services. But they don't necessarily work together to um, help people with addiction. What can the city do? What should the city do um, to deal with a narcotics problem uh, when really the only tool that we have as a city is police? That is correct. You know, I think uh, there needs to be a conversation between the levels of government on how we're going to put something together. Right now, you know, our drug courts have been very successful, but they're very limited also. And with the city, our, our job is enforcement, and our police do a very good job of that. And, you know, the county's job is to uh, take care of the in, incarcerated individuals that our police department uh, arrests. And we are a part of Minnehaha County, so any, any other city in the county, we're under the same, you know, rules there. And we don't want to step on anybody's toes and things like that. But I think there needs to be a, a real hard conversation between the city, the county, and then our state representatives that represent us right here in our, in our county and our areas here. Now, these issues aren't new. Um, that lack of uh, interplay. It's not necessarily not cooperation, but clearly everybody's got their own revenue stream. They get to decide what to do with the money. There's not a lot of uh, sharing of cash. Addiction programs, helping people stay out of trouble or get get themselves right with the law, as we like to say, uh, is, is very uh, difficult and, and it also can be very expensive. As I said, these are not new issues. What are you going to do as, what would Kenny Anderson, the mayor, do that other mayors or other city councils have not been able to uh, move the dime on in terms of this problem? Well, I think, number one, I would uh, work very hard to work with the county commission, the city council, and, you know, pull these legislators in. And let's talk about the funding. Well, the legislators from the Sioux Falls seem to know these things, but... Uh, and and uh, Marty Jackley, Attorney General Marty Jackley's uh, proposals to uh, go after dealers all passed the legislature, so everybody agrees with that. But nobody seems to agree that paying for uh, uh, drug addicts to get off the off uh, the juice is worth 
public funds. What what do you say to that? Well, what I say is, how much is it costing us to incarcerate them? Once again, all we're hearing for this for that part of it is that how much it's costing the county, and that they're not getting the support from the state legislature on this. And we already, once again, we already see that the prisons are over overfilled, and the state is trying to reduce their cost by releasing these prisoners. So let's 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 look at this whole thing at a different level, and say, wouldn't it be better to treat them? Let's end their problem, and then they're no longer a burden on society. Let's get them back to being productive citizens in our community. And, and we've already showed that that can happen through drug court and other treatment methods, you know, but they're underfunded. So let's, let's move the funding. Let's move it away from incarceration for the users, not the dealers, but for the users. And let's get them treated so that they can return back to their communities or this community and they can be productive. I think that's... It's just a reversal or moving the money around to where it's going to be most effective. Um, Going back to the broader issue of crime, uh, everybody says that it's driven, any increases we are seeing is driven by narcotics, and that's true. But the statistics would would, uh, suggest pretty clearly that over the long term, that crime in the city has not increased really anything beyond, in fact, at a lower rate than the population increase, and that uh, we are pretty average. Um, in fact, our crime rate is below Rapid City. Uh, why do you think crime then has become a, a central issue in many people's minds? Well, I think number one is because what we're seeing in the more serious crimes, you know, the media is right there. They're playing those out. And once again, we're seeing young people being involved in these crimes. And once again, that's very concerning to me. You know, our young people are our future. You know, we want them to be productive citizens. We want them to be part of the community in a very positive way. And some of them right now are choosing other avenues that, you know, I feel that if we get to these youth early, that we can avoid these things. Once again, what I'm going to say is let's reduce the demand. The, the war on drugs that we've utilized over the years is not working. We're losing this. We need to relook at this, and we need to treat this as a health issue. And once we do that, I think you're going to see the numbers even change. Let's be proactive. Let's work on this so that uh, we can reach out to those before they have the problems. And I've been very fortunate to be on a, a citizens' committee working with the Justice Department, the FBI, state and local law enforcement. And we're talking about the different issues that are happening in this community and throughout the state and on our interstates, Mm -hmm. which is another thing that needs to be addressed. And I think that we're ready to do that as a community and as a state. We're talking with Kenny Anderson, Jr. He is a candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls in the April 10 election. There are six candidates for that first round. The runoff is May 1st. We'll be right back with more from Kenny. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we're back with the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 
And we're chatting with Kenny Anderson Jr., who is a candidate for mayor of the great city of Sioux Falls. And uh, Kenny, um, we chatted in the first segment a lot about crime. Um, uh, the uh, I want to talk, uh, move on to something else, and that is uh, the specifically the mixed use, the PPP, the public-private partnership between Sioux Falls and Legacy Development to build a hotel and parking ramp in downtown. Um, the horse is kind of out of the barn on this because the contract's out there, it's approved and everything. But there was a call to uh, revisit that contract because uh, the bonds had not been sold yet to build the parking ramp. Would you, uh, as mayor, uh, would you have... Uh, after all the news came out about uh, Hulker and construction involved with the collapse of the, uh, uh, the, the old copper lounge and, and that connections to legacy and et cetera, et cetera. Would you have gone back and revisited that contract? That's a very good question. Um, it's, it's been a very sad situation and um, I think a lot of people are unhappy of the way that the city has, you know, moved forward with this project. Um, I think that there needed to be uh, more intimate discussions, and especially once the uh, ownership had changed to make sure that, uh, you know, we were dealing with uh, a reputable company that is going to uh, make sure that the rules are followed, whether it's city, state, or, uh, you know, building guidelines. So I, I just think that right now I'm not going to question what the mayor and his staff did here. Just like you said, it's out of the, it's out of the uh, barn right now. And I think we need to move forward and allow the other processes that are happening, uh, the lawsuits and uh, the investigations to continue and then uh, deal with it as that. But you know, it's already been voted on. Yeah. So you would not have gone I, back. I wouldn't have It's gone a tough back. thing to rescind yeah. the contract. Uh, now, Aaron Hultgren, who was the head of the construction company that was overseeing the demolition there uh, and was part of uh, Legacy, they're different companies and all that, um, but he now is not part of Legacy as well. Uh, does that satisfy your concerns about Legacy, or do you still would you still have any concerns about legacy development going forward? I'm going to be honest with you. I would still have some concerns. Um, you know, the way our state is, uh, when you do these LLCs, uh, you're not uh, required to, you know, tell who the ownership is. And uh, that does greatly concern me in this case. Um, I don't know if it would in other cases if there was no issues. But in this case, I think that uh, you know, the due diligence of the city needs to be completed to the satisfaction of the citizens. But I'm not seeing the citizens standing up and saying that they want this project stopped. And the city council, you know, uh, Councilor Staley and Starr have tried, you know, a couple different times to uh, get the council to even discuss it. And have not been able to, you know, even get that discussion started. So I think you come to a point where you just have to say, we've done our diligence, we, we've made our questions, and we need to move forward because there's other things that are happening within our city, and they're happening quite quickly 
that we need to move on with and get done. Do you support the project, the, the, the village on the river project as it stands right now, as a whole? Um, I, I still have questions myself on this. About? Um, well, number one, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of uh, spending of the public's money in these public-private partnerships. You know, they say, well, we'll get the, the funds back through uh, sales tax and parking through revenue. property yeah. uh, revenue. But on that, th- the parking revenue is what really concerns me. We have less parking spaces there. And part of the bond is that uh, if our parking revenue citywide does not meet that bond payment, we're going to have to use sales tax revenue money to complete that which means we may have to give up a project that I that could be important to our city and to our citizens. Do you think do you have concerns that the cuz the parking revenue comes from not just that ramp but from the the entire pool of parking money, right? Correct. Are do you think that that pool is in danger of not being able to meet that bond obligation? Well, um that's like I said that's just a concern I haven't been able to really you know, go through and see what our revenues are. But, you know, before that, we took a couple million dollars of that revenue and we put it into Washington Square. And I I was against that because... As a a TIF, right? Right. Yeah. But uh, that came out of our parking revenue. That's out of an enterprise fund. And that we don't get any money back from that. Those are not paid-for parking spots. Those are free all day and in the evenings, you know. So um, we have a parking ramp right next door. The pavilion parking ramp is Mm -hmm. right across the street. That isn't even a third of the way filled. We didn't need parking down there in that area. And I didn't, you know, it wasn't against the program or the building. The Howmans have done a great job, you know, um, remodeling and building in our downtown and I you know, had numerous conversations with them, and I said I supported TIF in some infrastructure items down there, but that parking ramp, I just I couldn't support that because I did not see a return on the citizen dollars for that. So, and now that's impacted us again because now this new parking ramp we've had to bond. And once again, that's money that's going to come out of that enterprise fund and if that enterprise fund, let's just say, doesn't fulfill that need, once again, we're going to have to use sales tax revenue to pay for that. And that just isn't the essence of what an enterprise fund is supposed to do. We're talking with Kenny Anderson, Jr. He is a candidate for mayor in the April 10 election. And we're going to come right back after a short break and continue this discussion on The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Maybe the sun will shine today The clouds will blow away And we return to our conversation with Kenny Anderson Jr. here on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Kenny, uh, we, we've hit now crime. We talked a little bit about the whole uh, parking ramp, uh, public-private partnership project downtown um the a couple other things that i want to get to is 
you, there's a lot of conversation in this campaign about transparency. Uh, and uh, I've heard you say government needs to be more open. Everybody says government needs to be more open in the city. What would you do specifically to open up government to more examination at the city level? Well, I've said from the very first day when I uh, take office, my first uh, thing to do was to meet with each city councilor. Uh, restoring that confidence between the administration and the city council, I think, is extremely necessary. Um, it's unfortunate that there's been issues, uh, whether it's with certain councilors or the entire council, but I would like to meet with every councilor. I would like to hear their insights for their district or uh, the city and then find out what their interests are when we talk about the CIP because the council should be involved with the CIP, I believe, from the very beginning. Which is the uh, uh, the improvement projects. That's like the capital, capital improvement, improvement projects. Programs. That's buildings and improve, hard improvements. Right. And I believe that by assigning each counselor to their interest in the, in the capital improvement program would give them a better insight. They aren't going to control the discussion, but they would be part of the discussion then they would be able to take those discussions back to their fellow colleagues and then they could work together to inform the public on why we're spending and how much we're spending. And I think that the, that is what the city is looking for, at least the people of our city would like to know more on what's happening. You know, my interaction with the CIP was they would give us the book and say, here's the projects, here's the priority list, approve it, you know, or make some changes if you'd like. Well, you don't, you know, the whole thing is, is that you need to have all the information you can before you can make those decisions. I always wanted to have enough information to do what I would say, make an educated decision on these priorities. But the administration has reduced the time limit that the council has to ask questions and to interact with the administration to get that education on these projects. Now, most of the street, your sewer projects, some of those things are pretty much what I would call no-brainers. But then these special projects that we're doing and the spending, I think that a better interaction would be better for the city council's knowledge and for the knowledge of our citizens. Um, that's, you know, the, the CIP is a big deal, and that conversation between the mayor and council has been uh, difficult for the last few years, for sure. Um, there are other parts of transparency that can be more difficult for a mayor, and that involves uh, opening up records and opening up uh, conversations to public scrutiny and the media. Um, are there ways to make city government see, be more accessible to uh, the media, first of all, uh, in, as the representative of the people? Well, and I've stated this many times in our forums that we've had. City government should be run like a business, looking at the administration. But when it turns outward to the public... A municipality is there to provide services. 
and those services also means provide the information. The state has certain regulations and rules that they have for open government, but we are a charter city. We can make our own decisions on a lot of these issues, and I feel that right now um, it depends on the mayor, but a lot of these issues could be more public so that they understand and have the knowledge of what we are doing to make this community better. Um, let's talk briefly about transportation before I let you go because uh, it's something that you've been involved with. And transportation is a huge need in our city. Uh, we keep growing out and out and out, and there's no, other than drive every driving everywhere, there's no good way to get around. But driving is still important. What would you do as mayor to make this city more accessible and easier to get around uh, across the board? Very good question. Well, it's something that we've struggled with since uh, I was hired as a paratransit driver back in 1990. You know, when we started paratransit here, um, we went a well above the minimum regulations of a paratransit unit. Since then, we've rolled back a lot of the regulations and got it back down to the minimum. But unfortunately, or fortunately, our city is a medical mecca. People are coming here for the services, and one of those services is our transportation. The unfortunate part is our medical community is building outside of our service area. And when we have tried to add routes that are out that reach out to those service areas, uh, we found that the financials of it just don't work. So we have to look at different ways of doing this, whether it's a grid system or something else. Right now we're doing a hub and spoke system. But uh, right now what we're doing isn't working. We have very good, hardworking people who care about providing a good service, but we're struggling to do this as a city. And I think what needs to happen is we need to bring all parties together, whether it's the PTAB and the other user groups, uh, Achieve, Dakota Abilities, Avira, Sanford, the medical community, and we have to take a look at how we're doing this and try to come up with some answers on how we're going to change how the transit provides in our city. Secondly, we need to get our legislature sat down and explain to them that they need to change the funding on Medicaid, Medicare for transportation of some of our most at need individuals. They're simply not doing it. The, the state no. is simply not using money that they could. Um, Kenny Anderson Jr., he is a candidate for mayor of Sioux Falls in your April 10 election. Early voting opened today. It did. Get down there, get get and vote. But you can wait, as I said earlier in the show, you can wait and get all the facts. You don't have to do it today. Uh, thanks for being here, Kenny. Good luck in the first round, which is April 10. Thank you very much. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000. K-S-O-O. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 K-S-O-O. Everybody coming up April 6th. That's a week from Friday, though. You want to mark your calendar because it's first Friday downtown. 
And you know what First Friday means, right? That, of course, is a special day of shopping, art, and entertainment in downtown Sioux Falls. Visit a variety of retailers, artists, venues, and restaurants. Enjoy free and discounted activities at the Washington Pavilion. First Friday downtown, always a good time. It is the first of every first Friday of every month, as you, as the name would suggest. But it's always great, and it'll be nice by then, I promise. Get more information at DTSF.com. Also, coming up tomorrow, Stephen Wilson. He is a USD student who has sings the national anthem in Lakota, and he has gotten a lot of attention. It's really a beautiful rendition, and we're going to play it for you. Boone Man will be with us, and Corey Heidelberger from Dakota Free Press. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO.